So it's Iceland on Thursday for the Dons to face the test of Breiderbeek. To give you a flavour of what's in store, we sat down with Mark Ball, a man who's published a number of magazines and books on Icelandic football and was even handed the Icelandic FA's Media Recognition Award last year for his promotion of the game. Here's what Mark had to say. So, Mark, first question, quite a straightforward one, but uh, where does your interest in Icelandic football come from? And what's it about the league that sustained your interest uh, all these years? Uh, well, I started playing football against a couple of Icelandic teams that were touring Scotland in 1985, I think it was, 85-86, and I kept in contact with a couple of the boys, and uh, we'd send over videos, VHS videos at the time, uh, of Scottish football and Icelandic football, and it just went from there. Uh, I first went over in uh, 1992, and I just caught the bug as soon as I went over there. It was just seen as such a spectacular country. Uh, stadiums, just beautiful scenic, scenic stadiums. And it's just a place you fell in love with right away. So it's just uh, kind of went on from there. And I've, since then, I've wrote, uh, I've travelled the whole country, done that a couple of times, and I brought out a couple of magazines, uh, north, south, east, and west, and then I've I uh, brought out a book uh, which won an award from the FA and I've, I'm in the process of doing another one for this year but this will be my final one because it's quite a bit of hard work as you could imagine <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely um, So I mean the thing about Iceland is that um, obviously most of the population is scattered to the coasts and when we talk about football obviously the, the hotbed is Reykjavik and uh, you can correct me on my pronunciation here. Uh, in fact, throughout this conversation, Mark can correct me. But uh, uh, yep. um they um, are basically a suburb of Reykjavik. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just outside Reykjavik. Uh, it's just uh, it's been one of the, the biggest expanding places in Iceland in, oh, in the last 20 years. Population is now up to 38,000 staying there. And it's, well, it's grown considerably in just in the last 10 years. It was 24,000 10 years ago, up to 38,000, because property is just so expensive in the city centre, as you'd probably imagine. So everybody's going to move out the way and building, building more houses out the way. But it's just an extension of the greater Reykjavik area. So you're, if there's any fans going to be in Iceland for the match, it's, it's only five minutes away in the car. I think there'll definitely be... Uh... Once again, some folk travelling. I mean, some folk made it to Sweden despite a travel ban there, and I don't believe there's currently a travel ban with Iceland. So, um, no. um, so yeah, absolutely, there'll be a few who've already booked their flights. Um, obviously, Iceland, when you think about Iceland football, you think about a national team and the success that they've had from the sort of few resources. I mean, really, as a country, its population probably mirrors um, that of Aberdeen, to be honest, isn't it? It's about 250,000, maybe it's slightly more. Am I? Uh, uh, it's 350,000 okay. or something. It's, it's about slightly bigger than Aberdeen. Fife and Aberdeen kind of thing. Aye. But, I mean, what what they've got there, obviously, they've got the building blocks in place, haven't they? They've got yeah. heap of all-weather pitches, but more yeah. than that, they've got a huge number of qualified coaches uh, per head of population, don't they? Yeah, oh, it's, it's absolutely massive. Uh, I was just over there last week and I was speaking to Heimer uh, Halgrimson, the ex-national coach, and we were speaking about the youth development and how they're going to have to progress it now. Because they're actually starting to fall behind the rest of Europe. Because everything's moving into the technology side. This is the latest outburst that's coming from the big clubs in Europe and Iceland 
I'd want to follow in the footsteps. What they've got in place now is a. They've got everything there. They've got all the halls. They've got the facilities. They've got all the qualified coaches, but everything is moving into the technology era. And they're just a wee bit behind just now, but they're going to get there. And uh, Heimer was saying, he says, they just need to move with the way football's progressing. Football's progressing. Now you know yourself. It's every just the slightest change in the laws can change your whole passage of play for football teams and how they're training. So Iceland are watching all this and monitoring everything very, very closely. So they'll, they'll be moving on to the next steps and then the end of this year, I'd imagine they'll probably get some government money or money from the FA to do their progression with youth development, which is the biggest thing there because they've got to sell players on for yeah. the clubs to survive. Yeah, and it, I mean, if you look through the list of former players at all the... Uh, Urvalsted clubs, then, you know, there's a host of familiar names there. And obviously the leagues in Europe are, are littered with Icelandic players, particularly obviously yeah. in, here in the UK. Um, yet obviously they struggle to keep their best talents um, in the league. And it's meant that they, you know, they're one of the few nations really across Europe that hasn't had a side to reach any of the European group stages um, yeah. yet. Um, let's hope it doesn't start this year with Red Um but, um, I mean, because of that, because of the lack of success maybe on a European level, particularly recently um, with some of their clubs, the win the other night, in fact, the performance in both games uh, of Bretherblick against Austria-Vienna, it must have been such a shot in the arm and, and really one of the best club performances in recent years because even when they went to Vienna, it wasn't a lucky draw by the looks of things. It, you know, they went there and they attacked and it, it seemed like they... they Thoroughly merited their draw away from home. Yeah, well, I was actually speaking to one of their coaches. I'm good friends with one of the coaches at Breedablick, Wilfred uh, Henriksen. And I watched that match uh, last year when they played. It was only just the one game last year because of the COVID situation, but they, they were away to Rosenberg. Mm-hmm. And they were 4-0 down after about, I don't know, it was about 25 minutes or whatever. So they managed to kind of, they were kind of all over the place. It was the tempo of the game. I spoke to Ofer after after the match, and that's something that Aberdeen could probably capitalise on. Uh, the Icelandic game is probably more technical than the Scottish Premier League, the, their top league in uh, Iceland. It's probably more technical, but uh, the tempo wise, it's a lot slower. The game's a lot slower, so players are struggling to. Move up to that next stage when they hit when they play in European games, and that's something I spoke to Runar Christensen, one of the, the the manager with KR Reykjavik. We discussed that as well, and it's a difficult situation for them because when they're only part time clubs, they're training they're training uh, five days a week. They'll get their game day and rest. It's the same as the UK, but if uh, you're like Aberdeen or whoever in Scotland, if they're needing to practice a certain situation or get into the training field, they can call the guys in twice a day to get the, the stuff done. So a lot of these boys who breathe the blood have actually got jobs on the side and they'll just get paid a small amount by the club for playing. So it is a, it's a difficult one for them to to go full-time. The money's not there just now because of the COVID situation and everybody's maybe watching their purse strings. But it's I, I can see maybe Valor going full-time because they've got quite a bit of money behind them. And they've, got, they've sold a lot of property around their stadium. 
for big money, but I think they're the only club and maybe Breederblick in a few years. If they've got any European ambitions, they'll have to go full-time. Simple as that. Yeah, and of course, the other advantage that Valor will have, I mean, we talk about the distorting effects in some leagues of teams qualifying for the Champions League group stages, but even mm-hmm. at the qualifying rounds, the amount of money that a team will make for featuring in the qualifying rounds, as, as Valor obviously did this year as champions, yeah. um, is going to dwarf what they can earn domestically. So, so again, even qualifying for these qualifying rounds miles away from the, the real heat of the competition, it yeah. can still help to distort a league table and the money that Valor will make. And indeed, the money that Bertha Black will make from reaching, hopefully, just the third qualifying round this year is going to make a big difference to them in future. Oh, huge. Absolutely huge difference. Uh, it was getting discussed today in Iceland. I think it's something like €850,000 euro, that uh, Breederblick will have made so far. I mean that's a lot of money for a small club mm-hmm. in Iceland, and that will keep them. That will keep their, That will keep their running costs going for the next year at least. And obviously they'll get sponsorship, and obviously TV money will be coming in from these extra games that they've got. Even just playing their first two games uh, and then getting knocked out, they're still getting a kind of reasonable amount of money. But the, the clubs have to try and progress further. I mean, uh, FAU they get. They get put out with Rosenberg last night. It was ended up four four one, I think it was. But they had done well in the first leg. They drew one each room in the first leg. So there's not a lot in it. There's not a lot. A big difference when they're playing at home. They'll give Aberdeen. They'll definitely give Aberdeen a run for their money when they play in a Copa Voga. That's that's absolutely for sure. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about how we expect them to to actually play that game uh, later mm-hmm. on. But but you were talking about. Obviously, you've kept a, an eye on the, the Icelandic media, talking about um, the chat there about how much money they make. What, but what was the reaction, just generally, to them knocking out such a, a storied name as Austria Vienna? It was, it was big news in Iceland. Uh, the last time uh, Riedeblik got a win like this, what, putting out a, kind of, a big name club, was in 2013. It was an Austrian club again. They beat Sturm Graz mm-hmm. in the second qualifier and actually get, they went through to the third qualifier they played the FK I don't know how you pronounce it Aktobi oh Kazakhstan Kazakh, uh, something for Kazakhstan or whatever uh, and they ran them to the wire as well they ended up getting uh, put out in penalties so they were almost almost in the promised land so they weren't far away from it then um, again uh, what I find is it is that, that we spoke before about the distorting effects of the money and the, the fact that it helps them domestically and the fact that sides can regularly qualify for these tournaments and, and get the exposure and get the experience of uh-huh. playing in these games it just makes them better year on year and this is obviously the third successive year that um, Brother Black have, have qualified um, uh-huh. but they were fourth in the, in the slightly curtailed Ufrastale last year fourth yep. again as it stands this year is it a bit of a surprise that it's them out of all the the sides um, that have equipped themselves so well this year in Europe? Uh, yes and no. They've been, I mean, they're a kind of jumpy start to the season. Uh, they didn't really come out the, uh, the starting box uh, too well at the start of the season. And they, they just come on to run a forum and they were just, they were scraping games and then they were just playing teams off the park and 
gathering momentum. And it was only up to a couple of weeks ago that they kind of started dropping points again. Because it was looking like a two-horse race uh, at one point between them and Valor. But there's been so many points getting dropped between the top clubs. So it's got, I mean, there's still maybe four teams that can go for the league easily this year. And that's the good thing about the Icelandic. That's what I like about it. Even though there's clubs getting money, they don't just go out and splash it all over the place. And they use it wisely because they know they might not get it next season if they don't qualify because that's where the money is. It's Europe. I mean, they don't get a lot for their, their TV deals. There's just a TV deal that's been signed for the next five years. But they don't know how it's going to all budget out yet. But the clubs are very wise with their money in Iceland. Well, they used to be a bit overboard when they were really going for it uh, 10 years ago and they were trying to get the promised land of the Europa League uh, group stages. And they had a chance then. But I feel as if their football's just kind of came back a, a stage rather than going forward. It's not progressed forward. It's progressed back slightly. But as I say, that they need the money. They definitely need the money because there's not. they know there's not a lot out there. And the only other way they'll make cash is from sell-ins from players already sold to European clubs and everybody's watching their, their money now as well so they're in a kind of a difficult position I mean obviously they want to go further in the competition and it's a possibility you just don't know what's going to happen on the day definitely a possibility I'm sure they're thinking if um, they can dispose of Austria Vienna they can definitely dispose of Aberdeen um, let's talk a little bit about um, the game in Iceland then um, let's first of all, discuss their home ground because you've been telling me that there's been some chat that the game might get moved to the National Stadium. Yeah, the game might actually get moved. There was a discussion earlier on uh, for, the, for the earlier league games in Europe. Uh, grounds are obviously categorised and uh, Copa Volksballers uh, categorised that I think it's level three, I think it is. Level two or level three, I can't remember the exact details about it. But it seems like it doesn't meet the UEFA criteria for press boxes and media departments and stuff. So the game, UEFA have told them the game will have to get switched to the national stadium. But Einstein, the, the chairman, it really like he's been on the phone to UEFA and the KOSE, the Icelandic FA, this afternoon. They're wanting the game to be played at, in Copa <clears throat> But we'll wait and see what the outcome of that, that is. But... The latest I heard was he was looking as if the game might get put back to Copa Volgar for putting more press uh, press places or whatever it is it need to do. Yeah, I, I mean, it's something Aberdeen have had to continually apply for exemptions for various things to, to host these yep. games and they always seem to get them. So, so hopefully they do get to play it where they want to play it. Assuming that yeah. is the case, you, you know, what are we expecting there? When I looked at the highlights of the Austria-Vienna game earlier... It looked like it was a plastic pitch, but I couldn't be 100% certain. It yeah, looked it's, like it's, everyone had um, flat shoes on as opposed to studs. But So it is, yeah? Yeah, it's uh, artificial, artificial. Just get uh, put down uh, two years ago. Okay. It, I've been on the pitch. It's quite a good pitch. It's a good surface when you look, when you look at the likes of uh, uh, Livingston and Hamilton. Just shopping system uh, pitches. And yeah, rugby park as well. It's just the surface is just terrible. But this has just been put down, uh, as I say, two years ago. So it's a it's a very good surface. And it's sort of classic um, um, small small town Scandi team stadium setup. One main stand, and that seems to be it for the ground. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, they've got a wee bit across on the other side. They've got a wee seated stand uh, across on the other side of the stadium opposite. I think it only holds maybe 300 seats or okay. something like that. But that's usually where the away fans for European games would probably go. But there's a limit on the fans. See last night's game, uh, there was a limit of 700 because of the COVID regulations because there's been a spike in COVID cases in Iceland. So it was limited. The game was actually limited to 700 last night. Well, it certainly made a fair noise in the highlights that I watched anyway. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like the the five and a half thousand that were put the other week, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Mark, you were actually lucky enough to make it up to Iceland fairly recently and um, actually managed to take in uh, Vera Black's recent game against KR Reykjavik the other week. Yep. Um so how do you th- how do you expect them to sort of line up next week at home? I mean, do you think they'll try and play in the front foot or would they favour more of a counter-attacking style? I think they'll, they'll play a cautious game to start with, definitely. They'll play a cautious game and see what's happening after the first half an hour. I think they'll just play KJ to start with, but they know they're going to have to come out and attack. They, they know if they can keep it at nothing each and just kind of retain possession, they will come out and attack and they've got some pretty good players in amongst that squad. They, two of the players that I'm going to tell you about played an absolute stormers against the KR Reykjavik the other week there. They've got their playmaker, Oscar Gunlogson. Uh, he was Young Player of the Year in 2015. Then he went on to sign for uh, Halmstads in Sweden and he came back to uh, Blick. And he's He was playing quite a few games at under-21 level and they've got quite a few guys that are in that category as well. That he is a playmaker, without a shadow of doubt. He's an absolutely unbelievable player. And they've got a Thomas Mickelson. Some Aberdeen fans may remember him from his time. He was at Dundee United, and then he went to Ross County on loan. I remember the name certainly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's over there. He's a, I think he's joint top scorer, second top scorer in the, the league just now. But he's just come back from an injury. He was scoring goals for fun at the start of the season and he got injured. Then he'd come back. I think he had another wee turn again after he'd come back. I think he maybe come back too early or whatever. So he was on the bench last night, but they put him on. I think they'll just try to get him fit and get him minutes just now, just to get a match fit for the... Obviously, they've got important league games coming up, but obviously the Aberdeen game is going to be very important as well. But they've got a team littered... We're under-21, under-19 internationals. They're a very, very good squad. A very compact team. They know when to attack. <laughs> and if Aberdeen are having a bad game or they're set up wrong, they will punish them. There's absolutely no doubt about it. So that Aberdeen are going to have to be, be careful and plan ahead because I see a lot of fans have been on Twitter and saying it's only a small team, blah, 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 and all this can I carry on. You can never, you can never do that in Europe. When you look at a result last night for Aberdeen, two 0 against the uh, Hacking last night, you've just got to be switched on all the time. And these guys will know they're professionals. Um, again, thinking about the style, I, I'm a, making an assumption. Plastic pitch. Surely they they kind of favour a possession based style of game, or um, are they a bit more direct than that? Or no, they play quite quite a kind of continental game. And they'll play the ball out to the back and they'll just try and pick up pick players off in midfield and they'll, they'll play some silky football. You'll be, it'll be quite hard for these guys to believe that uh, 
this is the way they play in Iceland, but they play a, t- a totally different style for what it is in Scotland. Like you'll see your, your long balls up up the, the flanks in Scotland, and they'll have the ball in the deck, and they'll be moving that about. But the tempo thing is, their, I think, their big worry. If Aberdeen play the game at pace, I think they'll destroy them. What about what about under pressure? Because the goal they conceded last night was um, well, it wasn't even a particularly effective high press, but uh, they certainly didn't deal too well with it. No, uh, I've seen a couple watch them against the Keplovic earlier on this season, and they were, uh, they were pressed. Uh, Keplovic forwards were pressing the defence, and they were making a few mistakes, but they managed to go on and win the game. I think it was four 0 Four 0 or five 0 something like that, and Mickelson he scored a hat trick that night. And I was wondering, I says they just don't look comfortable putting the ball out for the back, and teams pressing them. That looked like a big worry. But obviously, <laughs> it worked for them. I don't know how because I was sitting there shaking my head watching it, and I was going, <laughs> "What's going on here? They're going to get caught." But they, they seem to get away with it all the time. But uh, I think I was sitting there thinking, if they were playing a professional team, they would have got picked off. But they might change their tactics for because they know they can do that nice one, but at European level they might not be able to get away with it. Okay, so it sounds like the chat in Iceland is that they're a bit concerned that we Scots might be mad, fast, tempo-wise, and uh, that might unsettle them. But otherwise, there must be a real belief that they they can knock us out if they've knocked out Austria Vienna. They must, they must have a yeah. real belief. In, uh, in public and saying it but I know quietly they'll fancy their chances against Aberdeen I know for a fact that they'll be fancying their chances especially at home if they can get the job done at home and then just playing the counter-attack at Pataudry that's what they'll be looking for and if they can get one or two goals at a uh, home in Cobavoga they really will fancy their chances and you know yourself it's difficult to break a team down if they're a one or two goal lead for the first leg and they're just parting the bus at the second leg. It's very difficult to break down teams like that. Well, it promises to be a really intriguing couple of games. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. there are long-standing links between Aberdeen and Iceland, uh, You know, both generally and in terms of football as well. Obviously, the first team that we played in Europe was Kiro Reykjavik. Yeah. First time I saw Aberdeen in Europe was against uh, Akranes in 1983. Mm-hmm. Um, so... So I know that uh, under normal circumstances there would have been a good few hundred of us making the trek up to to Reykjavik. So it is a it is a shame that um, the conditions um, and the circumstances mean that uh, again there'll probably be no more than a handful that uh, take the plunge, yeah. um, and um, probably even fewer coming from Iceland for the return game. So that, I mean that's the that's the real shame about European football in this uh, in this current environment. But uh, very much looking forward to the two games. Um, yeah, and. Mark, absolutely delight to speak to you. Thank you very much. No problem. No problem. It's good speaking to you. Thank you very much. So if you want to check out Mark's Twitter account, uh, Icelandic Football UK, his handle is simply Mark Bowl, but that's Mark with a C. So M-A-R-C-B-O-A-L. You'll also be able to get hold of his book, 64 Degrees North, either directly from him there, or you can find it in stock currently at Stanchion books.com along with a host of other football titles so thanks again to Mark for his time and his insight into Breidabek we could say we're hoping for two good games but really 
We're just hoping for a couple of Dons wins around here. Come on, you Reds.